Welcome to Hit Subscribe, a podcast by Recharge designed to educate, inspire, and connect the subscription commerce space. On today's episode, we're talking to Stephen Gamellan, VP of Digital Sales and Strategy at Aloha, creators of healthy plant-based foods, snacks, and meal replacements. We chat with Steve about why, after almost two decades, he moved from one of the biggest food and beverage companies in the world to work at Aloha. Steve also shares how the complete renovation of their D2C strategy resulted in triple-digit growth and the steps they took to achieve that. Lastly, we chat about what's next for Aloha and the benefits and challenges of working with a smaller team. So let's get started. Steven, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Chase. Glad to be here. So give us a little bit of info about yourself and about Aloha. Sure. So I, I'll start with um, Aloha. I mean, I left, I left PepsiCo after 19 years in uh, August of 2019 left basically a $65 billion CPG conglomerate to join a very tiny, uh, almost startup. And, um, it's been an amazing journey. We've scaled our digital business significantly over that time period. And I've learned a lot. It's been a very rewarding experience. Um, I started with PepsiCo when I was uh, 18 years old. Um, I was still an undergrad. I was started as an intern, went through a management development program, had a sales territory in DC, uh, really worked my way through the, the sales development uh, program at PepsiCo and um, had a lot of opportunity, uh, learned a ton, have tremendous, had tremendous respect for the organization, but this opportunity came along to work for really small brand within the food and beverage space in the plant-based side, which I think we all know and recognize is the fastest growing segment. Um, it just seemed like an amazing opportunity and a, uh, a lot of, um, you know, a a lot of great people that I uh, got to join in the journey. And, uh, you know, we've been, we've been really on a great path since, uh, you know, since I started. So, Love it. Love to hear. Yeah. Um, rarely do we get a chance to talk with someone who's been on that side where they have kind of this massive company giant experience. So that's actually where I want to start before we even hop into Aloha. So give us kind of, you know, you said you were there 19 years, give us a little bit of background. What's it like working for a giant conglomerate? Like you said. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're with a large CPG, like PepsiCo clearly have all the resources at your disposal. Um, you know, my, my, my career journey at PepsiCo, it took me kind of from the field into headquarters where I took on more of a brand development commercialization role, got to work on, you know, some sub subscale brands on our, the allied uh, portfolio at PepsiCo. And those are kind of more of the forgotten brand, less of the priority brands. And you have to be scrappy and really push an agenda to give them, um, you know, some, some, some air. And, um, I, I got kind of the itch to work on that brand development side of things. And I always look back at my career at PepsiCo as some of the, the fondest moments of, um, of the time I was there. And right before I started working on that brand development side with some of these smaller brands, I had this opportunity to go out to Seattle and be a part of the very first PepsiCo team that went to meet with Amazon, um, as a collective unit. And I went out there and the whole purpose of the meeting was that Amazon was rumored and they had shared enough that we knew it was a legitimate opportunity that we needed to take seriously, that they were going to open this concept of Amazon fresh online grocery stores in a couple dozen markets over the next 18 months or so. They, they had told us it took them, took them more like three years to get there. Um, but I remember sitting in this office, like, uh, or amazing, uh, office, uh, conference room in this, like almost college like campus, people walking around with their dogs. And it was just a very different place. Uh, the energy and the excitement, like you knew they were onto something special and I just became hooked. And, uh, I, 
I left that role um, a couple months later and I had this opportunity to lead these emerging brands and the concept of building brands in that digital space and that e-commerce space and looking at a digital first um, go to market, it never left me. And for the three or four years or so I was in that brand development role, I stayed really close to the uh, the, the building of the e-commerce um, division of PepsiCo and the leadership team there. And in 2016, when they launched a global e-commerce team, I was asked to, to join it. I was one of the inaugural members. And uh, there was only a couple dozen of us when I left uh, the company back in August of 2019 it had been built to over 300 people and it was some of the brightest um you know and most talented people i'd ever worked with um people that had skill sets that were so different than anything that i had experienced earlier on in my career as i was working through the you know field and account management and brand development um and i got to lead uh, an online grocery business uh, working with lots of large and large national and regional grocers um, and saw how the retail landscape around us was changing significantly the kind of the rise of omnichannel and you had this kind of uh, dynamic where you know big retailers that were so well positioned in the brick and mortar side of their business they were almost creating these mirror organizations to support the building out of an of an e-commerce or a digital sales uh, channel and um, we got to support those those retailers and share best practices and i'd like to thank you know the pepsico and the team that i was on we helped to to really pave a path for some of those retailers um, in terms of what they needed to do to win it was just a, an incredible opportunity to work, um, you know, really on the forefront of retail. And um, I, I moved on from that into uh, deleting the walmart.com and jet business. Um, did that for a couple of years. And I left when I left, I was leading the Walmart online grocery business, which was really starting to show you kind of the future. Um, yeah, so many great, so many great experiences, um, in, in those roles. And I just knew that I always wanted to stay on the digital and the e-commerce side of the business. And you could see where the shopper was going. It's, it's, it's been all about convenience and, you know, being where the shopper wants you to be and, and positioning both from a retail and a brand standpoint, um, to be best positioned to meet the shopper, you know, in, in, in whichever, you know, channel or whichever, um, manner in which they're, they're looking to shop. Uh, and PepsiCo did an amazing job building out the team to support those things, functional experts, fun functional experts, um, you know, that just made it so that you couldn't not be successful. And, um, you know, it's one of those things when you leave a big company that's so resourced like that and you, you go to a small company, you miss that. But it really forces you to, to learn and to, uh, you know, to stretch your, your capabilities and prove to yourself that you can make something of, um, of the situation. That's super cool. And, and for, for our audience, it's a lot of smaller D2C brands who are trying to grow and trying to get to that spot in Pepsi because that. So I'm sure uh, everyone's a little bit jealous hearing that you, know, you have as many resources as you need and you can build out your teams and all that. But um, that's actually where I want to go next is how, where, where's the kind of the balance of, you know, enjoying this large built out team kind of thing, but then kind of shifting and moving to a smaller company, maybe not having as many resources, maybe not as well experienced, maybe not as many veterans. Why take the risk? Why go small? What is it about this kind of D2C movement that you see that, that made you want to jump ship? Yeah. And, and that's just it. I, I didn't want to jump ship. Um, I had no desire of ever leaving PepsiCo. I thought I would <laughs> be there my entire career. Um, again, I have the the most respect for the organization, the leadership teams, the the people I worked with. It was a, it was a family. It was really the hardest decision that I ever made in my life. Um, I was so comfortable there. And I think it's just one of those lessons in life. Like when you get too comfortable with something, like you're not necessarily challenging yourself um, to be the best that you can be or, um, you know, living life to the fullest. So, um, 
you know, I, I met the CEO of Aloha who had been in, in, in his role for you know 18 months or so, really was rebuilding the company um, and spent a lot of time talking uh, to him. I mean, literally months. Uh, it was probably like, I tease him all the time. It was like a four month courtship. And um, I developed this like really good relationship with him and, and, a, and a great sense of trust um, and admiration. And you know, I gave him a lot of feedback, you know, that the expression, like, tell me your baby's ugly. I told him like, you got a lot of you got a lot of improvements that need to be made for you to have like a serious digital um, and e-commerce business. And he took it all in stride and, and, you know, obviously not divulging confidentialities at the time, you know, but just, just talking to him about, you know, kind of where I, I saw the opportunity and he kept saying like, all right, what's it going to take for you to come work for me? And it, you know, with a startup, you're resource constrained. So it's not like, you know, you get, you can get an offer that just makes it like a no brainer. It's really, you have to have confidence in, you know, the people you're working with, the brand, the category, um, and yourself. And I think that that's the part that was, um, the hardest for me because you, you, you really, you come from a place where you're just so comfortable and you just know you're on a great trajectory career wise. You're surrounded by great people. They have your back. They're looking out for you. There's opportunities galore. Uh, if you say you're not challenged enough, they'll gladly put more you know stuff on your plate. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, I just wanted to, uh, to prove to myself that I could, uh, take on a risk cause I, you know, I'm fairly risk adverse when it comes to, you know, those types of decisions and, um, and prove to myself that I had enough to offer that I could help to scale a small brand, uh, into, into doing some big things. And, uh, I, I, you look back every once in a while and you're like, was it the right decision? And I have no regrets. It's been so personally and professionally rewarding. I've learned so much. Um, my family and my support ne network was there the entire way um, to make sure they knew that I couldn't fail. And, uh, you know, and the business performance has really been outstanding. And I'm more confident today than I have been at any point in the, the journey over the last 20 months. It's awesome to hear. And it's, it's great that everything worked out. It's a, it's a, it really is a great success story because you come from this, this place that's comfortable and it works and everything's moving and you're leading this big team. It's one of my favorite quotes though, is uh, comfort yeah. is the enemy of progress. Whereas you, it, you hit that point where you are very comfortable and you're, you know what you're doing every single day, walking into work. And all of a sudden you kind of click and you think, maybe this is something I should push myself to do. And I should try to build this and go a different direction. So it's, it's impressive to hear on that side. Um, but you yeah. mentioned, you mentioned that Aloha is kind of reinventing themselves. Um, there's a lot to change. There was a lot to maneuver and a lot of things to update. Walk us through a couple of the things that, that needed to happen and a few of the changes that you saw happen and how, like what, what that's <clears> like. <throat> for yeah, absolutely. And I got a little bit of a preview as I was, um, you know, getting to meet Brad Sharon, our, our CEO, and we were talking, you know, about the business and the opportunities and kind of the history before I'd started, um, you know, and, I always like to say Aloha was is like a startup, but it wasn't a startup because Aloha was founded in, in 2013 and, um, you know, kind of hit the scene hard and raised a lot of money, became a pretty decent sized organization. Um, you know, I think one thing that the, um, you know, the, the initial team there got right was this vision of being, you know, a holistic health and wellness brand, um, plant-based and having something for everyone. And, you know, the, the, the categories and subcategories that the brand played in were really wide, um, not very specific. Um, so there was a lot of opportunity from a portfolio management standpoint in, in getting the assortment right, um, really playing to your core competencies and not going so wide that you don't have, you know, that you lose um, that relevancy with that target shopper. Um, there was a ton of um, maybe missteps made on, um, you know, how the website was built and managed and the role that the website um, took on. And Aloha.com is just such a, a great 
piece of real estate that you really want to make sure that it has a purpose and that, you know, you're, you're driving value to the brand through that website. And that was something that wasn't happening. Um, there wasn't a lot of attention being played to some of the larger e-commerce customers that from my experience, um, you know, my, in my prior, my prior roles that I thought were just huge misses. Um, so, you know, so there was a lot of reinvention there and then didn't really learn this until later, but you know, you think of the brand as being, um, kind of the glue that holds it all together. And I, I thought there was more there than there really was at the time. Um, that was something, Thing that also needed a lot of work. And frankly, it's still something that's being, um, it's, that's being worked on. So, um, not, not that ever, not that a brand is ever, you know, work on a brand is ever completed, but, uh, there has to be like a, a general purpose. And, you know, we, we lacked that for a while. And, you know, so that was another reason that it made sense for me to leave because I, it wasn't like you're leaving to go somewhere where things were all in order. Um, things were, were not in disarray by any means, but there was just so many opportunities. There seemed to be so much low hanging fruit that I felt that I could come in and, and, and make an impact. And, uh, and that, that part's been a lot of fun as well. So one of the, um, one of the things that, um, as I mentioned, needed the most work was the website. And we got, uh, we got started on that and then, and then rebuilding out that digital ecosystem from a customer standpoint really quickly. I want to dig into that more, the brand and the, the domain, aloha.com. It's such a good piece of real estate. Like you said, how, how did that come about? I think you, you guys ended up buying it, right? Yeah. I mean, so obviously well before my time, um, but the, uh, the company folklore, so to speak is, is that there, um, we had a very successful kind of entrepreneur, uh, that founded the company along with, uh, uh several Hawaiian investors and they're very well connected and they're able to take advantage of an asset sale, um, by the Hawaiian government. And, um, that was kind of the, the prize. And, uh, so it's, it's been, it's been a part of the company ever since the, the founding, um, but it's uh, it's a it's a valuable um, domain, and uh, we needed to put it to good use and make sure that it served a purpose and that um, you know paid homage to um, kind of the history and also to the vision of um, being an accessible health and wellness brand and um, you know really speaking to a company that's you know doing all the right things. Um, you know we're we're a small company that we, we just, we just hit 15 people and, um, we've been on just an incredible path, um, of trying to do better. And one of the things, um, over the last few months that we accomplished was we became a certified B Corp. Um, we're an employee owned company. So we all have a vested interest in making sure that, you know, we utilize the assets that we have and the resources we have to, to do good. We're, we're incentivized and we are, um, you know, we're, we're building something that's, that's pretty special and we want to do it the right way. And we wanted a place to, well, we could share that, you know, we've done a, a ton of, um, you know, philanthropic good, um, through this, through this pandemic pandemic. And we've done, you know, some great things from our portfolio renovation, you know, our, our, we became, we've always been USDA certified organic and we added non-GMO project certification and fair trade certification for our, our drinks that we just relaunched. And, um, we want a place to drive traffic that we could, you know, share our story and to share the work that we've done on our brand, um, on our, on our products, um, and really connect, create a connection with, with shoppers. And we didn't have that with the original site. So, um, it was one of the things that was a really high priority coming in. Uh, I think that one of the very first meetings I had with, um, our CEO and, and our chief investor, we went out to lunch and we talked about what it would take to rebuild the website. And, um, 
you know, the, the reality was like we, the website as it was had won design awards or at least had been nominated for several design awards, which is really cool. But the problem was, you know, we are a Shopify plus customer um, and there's so many there's so many benefits of being on that platform. And we had this super customized um, uh, theme that we couldn't really do much with. So with, with a team, a very small team of non-coders, um, we weren't really seeing the opportunity or, or maximizing the potential of the platform. So, um, so we got alignment to, to rebuild the, uh, the site. And uh, that was quite a journey in and of itself. And be happy to share more about that if, it, if you're interested. I'm sure we hear stories all the time about these these hyper customized themes and how they they work really well. But all of a sudden, anytime you make a change, it's a it's a huge effort, huge lift just to get something moved or something changed or pieces of text or things like that. Um, so it's, yeah. it's really fun. We see that quite frequently. Yeah. So like so our our situation was um, quite a functional like commercial site. You could go there, you could buy things. Generally, they get shipped to your house when you expected them. That was right. that was the that was kind of the extent of it. Um, what we uh, what we wanted to do is build something that was engaging, that would drive loyalty, that we could then build on. Um, you know, obviously with a commercial site like that, you're you're looking to, to drive, have your investment drive good customer lifetime value, and and eventually, you know, when you do it all right, that loyalty should reward you in you know monthly recurring revenue. And uh, those are not things that we were seeing at the time. And um, so we 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 worked with a, a Shopify uh, Plus. Uh, agency, uh, great organization, uh, Chelsea and Rachel Co. Um, and they helped us down this path. And we told them we were super motivated to get this project done. It was like late October. We wanted it to relaunch by Thanksgiving. So we worked really fast. We came up with an idea. We built out some wireframes, like took them through the team. Team loved them. Um, Brad said to me, you know, you really should take these wireframes to, um, you know, to the board and share at least with a couple of the board members specifically, um, Johnny Bauer, who at the time was the chief global creative officer at Droga five, like he's going to have some perspective. He's going to give you some feedback. You'll probably value it. You can take it or leave it. So I remember sitting in Johnny's office, taking him through it. He's like, dude, this is a beautiful house. Like it makes perfect sense. Like you, you know, it's not like, you know, um, kitchen, bathroom, dining room. It's, it's like well-organized, you know? Um, he's like, I think, I think you're onto something here. He said like, so what's the creative brief that you gave this agency? And I, I'm a, I was a sales, I'm a sales guy. And I looked at him and was like, creative brief. What do, what do you mean? He's like, well, how, how are they going to like, you know, if this is your house. Like how are they going to paint the walls and rearrange the, you know, the furniture and such. I was like, I, I don't know. I, I guess they'd take what we've done in the past and just make it better. He's like, dude, that's, that's not going to deliver a good result. <laughs> so for, for, it was this eye opening experience where you're like, all right, we have the right vision, but we don't have the brand piece to give them. And uh, we decided to go back to the drawing board and work on our brand and it put our web redesign project kind of on this hiatus while the brand work was being done. And that just took a very long time. And, um, we finally got to a place where it was good enough, like call it February of last year, uh, which enabled us to move forward with, you know, like, I, I love the quote you used before chase, um, that, you know, don't let good enough be get in the way of perfection or whatever it is. Right. Um, so we had something that was workable and we decided to launch it. And the timing was just couldn't have been better because, you know, late February, all of a sudden you started having, you know, some, some rumblings of, you know, pandemic and shutdowns. And, um, you know, what we saw over the, over the coming months was, uh, 
enabled us to run really fast. Whereas if we hadn't redesigned our site, we wouldn't have been able to capitalize on, uh, on the opportunity, frankly, that was presented to us by um, this very rapid shift to direct to consumer. Um, so we were, we were well, well positioned there and you know, we've made a lot of changes since then. We upgraded a lot of the, um, the platforms that we run on our website. Um, we, we, we moved on to the recharge, um, platform because, you know, we do aspire to have a product that's worthy of shoppers, um, subscribing to, and, um, we've, we know we've a long way to go there, but, um, it's a work in progress. And, you know, as with everything on our, in our digital ecosystem, making a lot of uh, strides. So I was actually going to ask you why, why things like vision and mission are, are so important in a brand concept. Um, and it's awesome to hear that you say that you're a sales guy. You didn't quite understand the brand thing. I had a very similar experience at recharge. You bring in designers and they're pitching you why colors matter and why phrasing matters and why organization matters. And your first thought is like, this doesn't make any sense. This stuff doesn't matter. You move them down the line and they buy stuff, but it really does make a difference. So it's, it's what's, what's maybe like one big piece of, of, uh, the process that you learned going through this design process and learning about your vision and your mission and how that kind of translates to the whole customer experience. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's being purposeful with it, and um, you know, not rushing just to get something out the door. We we certainly took our time, um, but we didn't really have the right vision at first in terms of how to bring it all together, and you know, just just to you know to start painting the rooms of this house that we were building arbitrarily just so that we're, there was paint on the walls wasn't really going to get us very far. Um, we got to a point where it was good enough and we moved and it was a good decision. So like, you don't have to wait for it until it's perfect. Um, and then what I've, I've really learned over the course of the last six months is that once you have something that's workable, it's just an iterative process. You just continue to improve upon it. Um, we hired a, um, a, a head of brand and creative that started in January. Um, guys, brilliant. One of the most creative, um, you know, best creative talents that I've ever seen or worked with. And, um, he spent the last three months, like building out our brand ID and our, uh, our, our visual identity and tone of voice and all the things that when you put them together, will get us to where we want to be that destination. Not that that destination is a final destination, but it's a place in which, you know, brings everything together. It's cohesive and coherent. Um, but it was, it's good that we didn't wait because, you know, we would have missed a tremendous opportunity over the last 12 months that, you know, I think at least, uh, is, has a good, a good amount to do with the fact that our DTC business is up, you know, 350, 400% in the last year and, and scaling rapidly. Um, so your website now has turned into a significant acquisition channel at this point, now that everything is, again, I'm not going to use the word done, but now that everything is moving and there's a, a an end goal in mind, you kind of see that and the process is working. The website yeah. yeah, it's been, it's been a, a pretty strong, um, you know, conversion tool for us for not, not just, not just sales, but just converting people into, um, into our, into our, uh, ecosystem and, you know, growing our, our email list and our, we just, we launched SMS uh, a month or two ago and really starting to build it up and, you know, starting to create different types of conversations with our shoppers, conversations that are not so much only focused on like the latest promotion or, um, you know, or, 
ordeal that we're running, but you know, how to incorporate plants, plant-based um, diet uh, foods into your diet and the benefits and, you know, the great things that we've done, you know, within, um, within the world, you know, frankly in March, which was uh, B Corp awareness month, we decided to use that opportunity to, to share that, you know, we are now a B Corp and we used our social media channels and our website to recruit and share good work that we did working with an organization called um, Conscious Alliance that has a mission to ensure that no child goes to bed hungry. And we, we used our, our website to rally like-minded brands to contribute and help us to fill almost four full tractor trailers with nutritious food for the Chicago area public school system, kids and and their families. Um, Those are things we we couldn't have done on our website uh, previously. So it's not just, you know, acquisition. It's also being able to share and drive engagement um, and take credit for like the good stuff that you do, because, you know, it's not all about like what your, you know, your revenue growth is or what the ROAS on your, your marketing spend. Like there's a component of just like doing the right thing that, you know, has a long-term ROI. Absolutely. And the, the word that keeps popping back into my head, you said earlier is purposeful. It seems like, you know, you come on board, everyone's hustling to just get stuff done and get things moving. But you hit a point where the experience needs to be purposeful. It's not just acquisition. It's not just ROAS. It's everything. Yeah. Right. Um, let's talk product really quickly. I know that uh, everything is extremely healthy. You guys, like you mentioned, non-GMO, all of this. Um, you just launched seasonal flavors. That's the first time you've done that. Is that correct? Yeah. And it's so funny because coming from PepsiCo where like LTOs, um, seasonal flavors, um, were just part of everything you did. Um, every brand, every, every large brand, at least, you know, had a component of, you know, limited time or early release for, you know, customer specific things. Um, over here working on that all the time and they can spin something up whenever they need to. Yeah. Yeah. And they do an amazing job. Uh, and it was just something that, you know, within the category, we see it, we see a lot of um, larger brands and us do that, that kind of work. Um, and it was, it was just a a way to take your assortment and drive some excitement. And again, you talk about like using the website to um, be a destination and to drive acquisition and excitement. And, you know, when you have, um, you know, when you're a small brand like Aloha, just because you have a new flavor doesn't mean that every one of your offline retailers or even online retailers is going to take it. Um, That concept or the myth of the endless shelf is not entirely true. Uh, You only have so many places where you can put those things. So you build that value proposition out, where, you know, shoppers come to you first. And in fact, um, as we're, as we're, uh, uh, we're talking here, my team's sending out our VIP audience, um, a, uh, a SMS, uh, kind of early preview, an opportunity to buy a, another, um, exclusive, uh, online flavor of our ready to drinks, which we relaunched this week. And they, uh, our VIPs will be able to access the new, uh, coffee flavored, um, ready to drink. But we yeah, we we launched um, peanut butter cup bars uh, about three weeks ago, and the result the the result has been like so encouraging. We hit within about two and a half weeks. We hit the number one new release in the category on Amazon. Um, every single product review mentions like, please don't make this limited. Like, don't be stupid. Keep it. Um, like, there's yeah, there's some very um, there's some very energized and like rapidly loyal. Um, you know, flavor enthusiasts that uh, have, have taken very well to it. So it's a strategy that, um, you know, we're going to continue throughout the end of the year. We got a couple more exciting things planned. Um, and it's just, it's just great, like 
making super delicious food. That's, that's so nutritious. Um, just, just to plug our R and D team and our ops team. I mean, the work they do to, to build this stuff is amazing. We're, we're uncompromising in quality, uh, ingredients, um, in principles. I mean, all of our food is USDA certified organic. We don't use ingredients like stevia or sugar alcohols, not because they're fake. They're not fake. They just don't taste good or they're not as good for you. And, you know, we, we are very deliberate about how we formulate. We, we use very tiny amount of, you know, cane sugar, coconut sugar, or the tiniest amount of monk fruit extract. Um, all of our products, I think the most sugar we have in any of our products is, is still five grams and, and less. So, um, it's, it's, it's just awesome to, uh, to put food out there. My kids, like my kids steal my, um, my peanut butter cup bars. Like they know where I've hit them and I got to stock up before they're gone, but I don't feel terrible about them consuming them because they're, they're just so healthy and uh, a nice indulgent treat. Put them in the top. No, that, I'm worried that they're going to topple that thing over and there's going to be a bigger issue on my hands. <laughs> Very cool. Definitely sounds like you're passionate about the projects. Um, the brand seems like it's definitely coming together and growing and scaling. Um, it's great to hear. Um, let's move into a couple closing questions for you. Um, what is a piece of advice that you would give a brand who is in your same position, starting to scale, trying to scale, trying to kind of come over those plateaus and keep moving? Yeah, I think it's um, like be willing to fail. It's, it's such a cliche, but um, you know, one of the things at PepsiCo and I brought this with me to Aloha is, is really this mindset of, of test and learn, push the limits, test a lot of things. If, if you're not talking about failures and some of them, you're probably not doing it right. Um, you gotta, you gotta continuously try new things. I told Brad before he hired me, he's like, well, I'm looking for a digital expert. I'm like, I'm not a digital expert. I'm not an e-commerce expert. Cause there's really no such thing as a, uh, an e-commerce and a digital expert. The, the field changes too fast. The technology, the tactics, the rules, the algorithms, everything's changing so quickly that if you're not continuously trying to, bet, to up your game, to test and try new things, um, you're really not doing it right. Um, so I think, I think that would probably be the most important thing. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, keep, just keep moving forward. Comfort is the enemy of progress. Love to hear it. Uh, yep. Last question for you. What do you subscribe to? Oh, wow. You know, probably uh, most of my subscriptions are digital. Um, with four kids, I've got just about, I have an embarrassing number of um, OTT subscriptions. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, so I, whether it's Disney Plus or Hulu or Amazon Prime or Netflix, I mean, pretty much all those exist in my house. Um, try to limit the television watching for my kids, but um, those are, those are pretty safe ones. The one that's probably the most fun is I get a, um, an organic, like a produce box and I get it every other week. And I like it because I still, as much, as much as I've been involved in online grocery, I really feel, um, I love, I love actually walking the store and, um, you know, I'm kind of a, a retail nerd. Um, so I love, I love being in different stores and formats and just seeing, you know, you know, what's there. Um, but what I like about the organic produce box is it gives me a lot of options and I try to challenge myself to try something new each time I order. So, and I like the convenience. I'm right there with you. I, I actually like walking up and down the aisles and seeing the things and picking those, but it's nice to have a box delivered to you when you can say, I was never going to get this thing, but now that I have it, might as well make use of it. Yeah. It's, it's cool too, because, um, you know, the thing about these subscriptions that you, you subscribe to is it's, it's really the ultimate compliment. Um, when you're building a subscription, uh, program, like, um, 
you know, what we, what we've tried to do with Aloha, it's, it's the ultimate uh, compliment from a, from a customer that they trust you enough um, that they're willing to, you know, blindly uh, receive things from you and give you money. Um, so it puts a, puts a lot of focus on the experience. And, uh, you know, I think some of these subscriptions that are out there. There's some pretty awesome models that, you know, we, we look to emulate and we've got a ways to go to, before we can get there um, as a brand, but um, really exciting to see, uh, you know, to see the kind of the rise of, uh, of subscription and loyalty and how that impacts the total customer experience. It's all purposeful. It's all intentful. Very cool. Thank you so much, Stephen, for joining us. Thanks so much, Chase. Take care. We want to thank Stephen once again for joining us. If you're interested in Aloha, you can head over to aloha.com. If you're looking for more of our episodes, check us out at rechargepayments.com slash hit subscribe. And to get the latest episodes, remember to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening from.